0: Hi, welcome back to a new episode of More or Less, a music and mental health podcast centered around one question. How are you really feeling, More or Less? Today, I'm feeling congested by the sound of it. (laughs) Verte is joining us, an incredible independent artist, to talk mental health, artistry, and the rise of social media, and today's touring landscape. We cover a lot in this episode, and since we recorded this conversation, Verte has released her first album in four years, Love You Forever, and is now embarking on a headlining tour that you don't wanna miss, More or Less. Season three of More or Less is sponsored by Neuro, enhancing your mind and body one piece at a time. Living in New York City, I spend way too much time and money on coffee and energy drinks, daily supplements, and then splurging on self-care products. Neuro creates supplements that fit your lifestyle instead of the other way around with nutrients that enhance your health and wellness to something intrinsically convenient, affordable, and portable. With thoughtfully curated ingredients and lab-approved integrity, Neuro has changed the caffeine game for me since the gum is delicious and the mints leave me feeling fresh and focused. Neuro is always by your side when you need it.
1: Take my word for it and head to getneuro.com now. artist songwriter producer I am an independent artist so I've been intentionally building my career independently for like the last seven years and I'm excited to kind of get into the nitty gritty
0: so the number one question we ask on the show is in this moment how are you feeling
1: more or less um I feel fine like I don't feel good I don't feel bad I'll feel better once the coffee (laughs) is gone and in my veins um yeah, I, I'm in a point of, I think, a bit of overwhelm with just everything that I have going on. And so this is kind of one of the last things on my calendar before I like really try and take off for the weekend so that I have energy to do everything that needs to be done this month.
0: We'll dive into all that because you do have a lot coming up. Yes. But thank you for being with us today. Appreciate it. It's literally my pleasure. So to follow that up, we ask, what do you need more of and what do you need less of? Could be a word, feeling, emotion.
1: Um, I think I need more time in the day. At the moment, I think I just need more time. And I think like when you're when you're pushing forward on any creative endeavor or any um, project, there's a sense of you have to set up the deadlines and the structures uh, to make anything happen, mm-hmm. and then every once in a while you're like, "Oh, there's there's not enough time to do this in a way um, that has me not stressed and you know balanced." And so right now I would like more time and less. I think I really want less, less bullshit, and maybe this is another more like I just want more like honest and direct communication. Um, Ooh. Personally, I'm good on that front, but like professionally, I think that I operate in an industry like the music industry um, that historically is built on a game of smoke and mirrors, and what that does is really forces the business to be separate from the creative, and I think that really ruins a lot of the creative process
0: for me. Yeah, I mean, it's funny thinking about the music business, it's... You know, we work with creatives and it's really busy and art is very sacred. But at the same time, we profit off of that and it's very much a business. So in your case, being entirely independent, which I think is incredibly impressive, but I'm sure, like you said, very overwhelming. What does a typical day in the life look like for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really. Every day looks so different. Uh, depending on what stage I'm at and what I'm focusing on. And so I definitely – I I hit points where I I lack balance. Like for the past few – well, pre-going to L.A., It was very much like computer work and administrative work and, you know, making all these assets, et cetera. Um, So it was very like computer focused and like just knocking things out. Then I shifted to L.A. I went to L.A. for two weeks to really, I don't know, reintegrate myself into society Mm -hmm. because, you know, I made a record. We were all dealing with COVID. So I like I was very insular in my own little bubble. And was hyper hyper social so everything was meeting coffee I was eating like four meals a day I had to stop at one point and be like oh I'm just not gonna eat (laughs) right because if you have four lunches scheduled uh, you know exactly I was just gonna say that's LA in a
0: nutshell it's how many meetings can I fit in and then now I've had eight cups of coffee
1: yeah so I I definitely hit those points so again that period of time was very like driving social uh kind of putting on that part of my uh personality and and turning it to the max and now my days will look like you know I start tour in a month and so I need to starting Monday really get into a practice routine so it'll be like wake up go to the gym uh practice for two three hours I have everything set up in my apartment you know so that I'm walking into rehearsals feeling really comfortable feeling really prepared um and then probably doing the more administrative, like, stuff in the evenings. And I do that while I watch, like, trash television, essentially. What's your trash television choice? <sighs> God, I've seen it all. <laughs> the amount of things that, like, I've half watched in the background. I love me some, like, Selling Sunset. I definitely <sighs> had a bout where I watched almost every season of Survivor. Okay. Um, selling Sunset I gave up on
0: this past season. Yeah, it's I- rough.
1: Yeah, I couldn't. I just like looking up from my computer and seeing drama. And, like, I don't have to follow the drama. I just like the yelling and then, like, okay, let me go back into my world. Yeah. Totally. There's no compelling (laughs) storyline. That's part of the joy. Exactly. It's escapism. It's a form of escapism. And Survivor is the same. It's like someone's either yelling or you look up and they're, like, trying to balance something on their head. And I'm like, this is fun. That's how I used to feel about the show Wipeout.
0: Oh, I haven't seen it. I used to watch that with my mom a lot. It was They make these people go through insane obstacle courses. Oh, yeah. That are just, no human should have to go through that. And I just loved hearing their backstories of like, this guy used to own a bookstore and he trained for a year to be on our show. And you just feel like you want to root for them and then you watch them wipe out. That's the entire premise of the show.
1: Yeah, no one's going to make it through the obstacle course. Of course. So with tour coming up,
0: What does it look like? How disciplined are you in that prep process of getting out of bed, going to the gym, setting a routine?
1: Um, I'm disciplined in it when I'm in it. And so I'm just going to start, you know, because, again, it's a transition from traveling and sometimes I'm bad at, like, moving the routine to different phases. But if I'm home – and I have things to do, like, I'm pretty disciplined, especially when there's, like, a pressing enough deadline. If there's not a pressing deadline, I'm less disciplined. Yeah. Uh, But, like, I don't really have time to fuck around, so I will execute. For
0: this upcoming record, when did the business part of this start? Like, when did your rollout first happen?
1: We started in August, and so it's really interesting just, like, the slow, slow build that has to happen, especially now that we're working with a different team. Like, we started in August, so there are three singles out. The last single just came out a few weeks ago, and then we'll have another single and then the record. So it's it's something that I'm trying to have, like, a much longer time horizon for. I think we live in a culture of, like, really, um, like, constant consumption, and there's this false, thought that you know the lifespan of a song is the week that it comes out and if it doesn't pop off and overperform then it's dead and I have a much longer time horizon for like this record for everything I'm doing and so it's like really one foot in front of the other but also it's really trying to um, realize that the lifespan of these songs is much greater than the initial rollout
0: and is that something that maybe a year or two ago you didn't have that perspective or is that just always how you have approached releasing music?
1: I think it's always how I've approached it. I think that I've also always approached it different from how the traditional music industry approaches it, mostly because I have the freedom and flexibility to like do what I want. And so my ability to experiment and kind of try different modes of releasing or trying to like reinvigorate back catalog, et cetera. Like I have a lot of the freedom to do that. Whereas most people who don't own their masters have no incentive to do that. Right. Because they got paid upfront and now they they have to move on in order to continue to like monetize or like build something. But for me, it's like, I can creatively look at this entire back catalog and be like, Oh, what are the cool things that I can do with this music uh, that feel relevant and that feel creatively exciting. And so, Yeah, I've definitely always done things a bit different.
0: Yeah, I think one of the coolest things I've seen you do is even like your fan projects and, you know, sending Polaroids to folks and postcards. I think that's really awesome. And besides that, seeing you dive into the NFT world as an independent artist is completely different. What are ways that you're excited about from either a visual perspective, a creative perspective with this upcoming record to really kind of innovate?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Like this record has become like uh, when when I was putting together all the visuals, I was looking at it like a moving graphic novel because music videos don't really have ROI, right? It's like we're not a culture that's going to sit down and like watch a four minute music video for most people. Um, I can't remember the last time I sat down to watch a music video. But that being said, you want to still be able to create a world around the record. And so each song has its own scene, its own very simple like visual vignette. Um, and when you listen to the album and kind of watch the scenes uh, together, you're kind of getting the full story. But the whole record is about uh, learning how to let go. And so the subject matter of the visuals is a bit of a kidnap, catch and kill vibe. It's so cool. Thank you. Um, But it's literally like a world that I created to kind of um, hold space for, you know, kind of everything I was going through um, in the most dramatic fashion possible.
0: (laughs) I think the visuals are awesome for anyone listening. um, Definitely go check out this new record that's coming out in February. I just think it's a really unique concept in terms of, you know, we hear breakup songs and we hear songs about letting go but there's rarely that world that you're talking about like building a universe around it. Mm-hmm. So, I'm sure you're planning like is there anything with this tour that you're excited about to incorporate uh for fans to experience it live because I definitely feel like the singles that are out right now, those are songs that people are going to love screaming <laughs> at oh, a yeah. show that I'm sure that has you hyped for all the things you could do behind the scenes and on stage.
1: Yeah, I have some plans that I'm not going to reveal. You have to (laughs) definitely come to a show. But my whole focus, and this is for this tour, but also shows in the future, is we come from such a highly depersonalized, like, scrolling mentality, right, where everything is just kind of, like, passive and music is the fourth afterthought Mm -hmm. of most of the experiences that we have. And so a lot of what I'm trying to do live is really have it be like a hyper intimate and like engaged experience to kind of combat that. And I think we're going to move more and more towards that in the future, because I think we're hitting a point of like critical mass and oversaturation of like content creators and just like Like I don't need to know what you ate for breakfast or like how you get dressed. Like it's not of interest to me personally, Um, not knocking people who, you know, make that type of content. But I think that people are going to be craving um, much more like human and experiential shows and interactions. And so for this live show, I definitely have plans to break the fourth wall a bit, which will be fun. I definitely just want to, like, see people in real life because it's a yeah. validation for everything you do, kind of, I don't know, in my little bubble.
0: Right. I'm segueing a bit, but what is your take on the current narrative around artists not wanting to be on TikTok or not wanting to market themselves? Because, again, you being independent, that's half the battle is promoting your art as marketing and sitting down and doing that admin work. What is your take on that?
1: Um, I think that everyone in the traditional music industry has just gotten lazy in terms of marketing in general. And so if, if you know, going on TikTok is your only marketing strategy, I think that's a recipe for uh, failure. And virality actually doesn't usually bring forth a sustainable uh, foundation for business in general. And being platform dependent also doesn't Mm. bring forth that sort of foundation because your audience is dependent on the medium with which you're communicating with them. And we've seen that with, you know, the rise and fall of like Vine. It's like there were Vine stars and those Vine stars didn't translate over to TikTok, right? That sort of virality um, and name recognition didn't translate over to other social platforms. And so it's way less... OK, be on TikTok, which for a lot of people, I think, who are, um, you know, I'm not going to say compl- complaining isn't the right word, but who are pushing um, back, a little. pushing back. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's because it's like not a natural medium. So they actually have to become something they're not to promote something that's like that's not sustainable. And mm-hmm. so for me, I was very um, clear on the fact that like me putting a phone in my face and acting bubbly like isn't going to work. So what are the 10 other things that I'm going to do to kind of circumvent that while still being on TikTok, like I still exist there really vaguely, you know what I mean? But it's not my main focus because it's not how I communicate with people. It's not the world that I want to build. And so I think that I've always been very for artists creating a constellation of Uh, like both strategy for how they create and release their music um, with the intention of meeting everyone where they are but also a constellation of revenue streams around themselves that all that feed back into the center so that if one medium or one mode of operation isn't serving you isn't sustainable it can be supplemented with a bunch of other shit that you enjoy doing that comes more naturally to you and that's going to like set you up to build something that is sustainable for the next 10 15 20 years whereas like if i have to do tiktok every day i'm gonna fucking hate my life and i'm gonna burn out really quick
0: yeah and you're gonna resent it
1: oh yeah i i can't sometimes i do it and it feels really natural and good and when it doesn't i just don't do it (laughs) you know but i do other things and so at the end of the day it's like building the whole point of being independent is to build a career that you want in the ways that you want. And so the idea of having to force myself to do shit I don't want to do in that way, feels like the antithesis of everything I've tried to build.
0: Yeah. Makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. Makes complete sense. And it's interesting, I talk about it with friends a lot, that, you know, if Twitter were to go away tomorrow, when we all thought a couple weeks ago that Twitter was going to implode and not exist anymore that certain artists or public figures or personalities, what would be their means of communication with their
1: audiences? They wouldn't have them. And I mean, that's the point that we've uh, gotten in like our whole world is that we're so platform dependent and we don't own the audiences that we build um, in terms of we don't have access to the data and we don't actually see the value that we bring to the platforms. And so those are two really big problems. It, it's just like, you know, you look at kind of how Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, ex- TikTok, everything has gone to um, such stringent algorithmic gating. And when I post on Instagram, only ten percent of the people who follow me even see it. But essentially, the the cre- the creators and the and the artists and the people who use and add value to Instagram are the only reason that Instagram is successful. And so we're seeing a bit of uh, the unintended consequences of all of this and and there will, and there already are reactions to that mode of operation. And so a lot of my focus is, okay, I obviously have to use these platforms. Like I'm not not using them, but what are the better means of communication? What are the better means of capturing um, the attention of my audience and building legitimate relationships with them so that they they'll come with me to any platform to any platform that I
0: exist on and i think the goals of the platform would be secondary and the relationship is first
1: the relationship is first the platform is secondary it's why I really like discord is cuz it's the only non algorithmically gated communication channel yeah. that and like a mailing list um, that we have and so focused on that for sure
0: yeah, and one of the things you mentioned was meeting people where they are, and I want to touch on what you did over COVID, which was live from Six Feet. Yeah. What inspired you to do that? I mean, I'm sure it was the lack of human connection and wanting to to be with people, but what was that experience like on an emotional level?
1: It was really interesting even just like being in a car. And again, it's like all of us, me, Nicole and Pam, who kind of went on that little trip, but like we all tour for a living. And so it was like, oh, okay, we're doing this. We remember what this is like. It was really lovely to kind of go and and do that. Um, And I think it was really meaningful to the fans that participated. And for me, that was really nice to kind of go see people in their natural habitat. I mean, we literally like showed up with a, a keyboard and a cube amp in people's driveways. And it was just like, so I'll cool. sing you three songs. Like it, it wasn't formal. It was super chaotic, um, but it was fun. And I think that shit like that is like really cementing these relationships um, with the people who like I owe my career to.
0: Well, it's so interesting. I, I mean people go see you. They go see their favorite artist live. They're paying for the ticket or they're paying for the transportation to get to the show. And in this case, when live music was completely shut down, you got in a van and said, I'll come to you. Yeah, It's such a unique concept and I think it speaks a lot to your level of engagement with your fans and how much you do care about them and bringing music to them. And I give you kudos all around because that's a really cool project.
1: Thanks. Yeah, I feel a a lot of gratitude for my people because they are the reason that like i get to continue having a career and so i think that a lot of artists today there's like this odd i'm gonna say entitlement because that's what it is um that i make art therefore i should uh be guaranteed to make a living and i very much come from the perspective of i am an artist and it is an absolute privilege to like write songs about my feelings and be able to like make living and build something around that but all of that is like a in service of the fans that make that possible and like they don't owe me anything just because like I choose to make art and so it's my job to build a world and experiences and music and art that like resonate deeply enough that they want to like come hang out with me and so I think it's a bit of like a flipped mentality but I think that that mentality is really helpful because it, it frames things different of like, I don't deserve your money to like show up to a show, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm going to put on a fucking great show. So like, I suggest you come to get your money's worth. Of course, yeah, like you it's going to be a great time. But, but I do think that it's, it's a, it's a mentality shift that I really, I talk about pretty often because I think it's important for artists to understand, you know, the mentality of, a fan right
0: right but I would also say knowing your story and we can get into that I mean you were waiting tables for so long you have worked your ass off to get to a point where you could live sustainably and doing music full-time and maybe that's just part of your lived experience that you know what that was like and you know that maybe some of your fans are in that position where they're Mm. working to afford that ticket to come to a
1: show Well, that's exactly it. There's a lot of conversations and especially like because I've been very – I've kind of pivoted also into this like tech world and like tools of the blockchain and how can we use those tools to like better communicate without having the middleman. Like again, when I was – waiting tables and and in that period of my life like I didn't care about how much money artists were making like that concept is crazy when when you talk when you're talking about people who are working jobs that maybe they don't want to work that and they're on their journey to building the thing that is sustainable for them and this idea that like the world should be so concerned with like the financial health of the the artists that create the music they listen to. It's, it's a weird paradigm. It's a and, weird gray area. Yeah, and so it doesn't mean that we don't fight for better valuation with the companies that we interface with. It doesn't mean that we don't even play with the value of music where the music industry has locked us into a, a very low fixed price point for the consumption of music, yep. which is essentially free. I'm for it. If yeah. you want to listen to my music and you can't afford it and you don't want to listen on Spotify, download that shit for free and listen. Like, I don't care, yeah. right? But the idea that I can maybe create different tiers of experience or scarcity and value for that music so everything can be free and accessible, but also some things can be really high value and exclusive and all of those things are, are in service of each other where the, you know the more people that listen to a song makes like the scarce um, actual song more valuable right right in terms of if you're minting it as an nft there's only one authenticated version so the millions of streams here are going to make that more valuable the price yep. and ideally you have that rare item And if that demands a high price point, that's going to draw more attention to it. So more people are listening to it. So I really believe in an ecosystem where everything can be in service and it's not mutually exclusive. The idea that you can have something that's of high value and ubiquitously accessible.
0: And I think we saw more education, I'd say, over COVID when touring stopped Mm -hmm. and now artists were back on the road in 2021. And tours were getting canceled because there wasn't enough staffing and people were losing a lot of money. I don't think a lot of fans understand the touring ecosystem, nor nor should they. Um, Yeah, that it's really expensive to tour. And a lot of artists are putting their own money out there and COVID brought on a lot of risk in touring, and there was a lot of clauses that fans don't understand the nitty-gritty of. Maybe some artists don't understand the nitty-gritty of those clauses. Yeah. That I think there was a lot of education during that time of 2021, 2022, now in 2023, that touring is one of the most incredible experiences, and you get to go to different cities and see fans, and fans get to see their favorite artists, and it's bringing people together, but it's also a really hefty price, at a really hefty price point.
1: For sure, but this becomes the game of, if you're an artist, you can be an artist and just make art. Everybody has the right to do that. But if you're an artist who wants to be in the music business, you need to consider yourself a business and you need to understand the costs of marketing and the cost and the risk associated. Like I'm about to go on tour again. And for for reference, the last full headline tour I went on I lost a fuck ton of money because we uh, got canceled 10 days into a 40-day tour because of COVID, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, it was supposed to be a profitable run. And I got fucked, you know, like literally. And there was just nothing to do. And I sent my crew home. Everyone got a flight home. And the van got driven back from L.A. to New York. And then there was this big pause of like, okay, what now? Like that hurt. Um, And so going back out again, I'm like, ugh. Jesus, like I'm having flashbacks and we're putting together our COVID policy. And like, I'm like, oh, I go out in a month. I need to start wearing a mask again because I can't afford to get sick right mm-hmm. now. Um, so all of this gym I'm talking about, I'm going to be like in a mask dying. Yeah. Right. But it is this this sense of you need to understand the risks associated and you need to understand how these numbers like play out. Um And at the end of the day, it's like I'm about to go on tour and, like, in an ideal world, we're going to be profitable. In an ideal world, we're going to break even. Like, I've been lucky enough to, like, never lose money on a headline tour other than getting canceled and getting exploded. But it's because I build at the rate that I build. Like, I'm really intentional with with what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. And at the end of the day, it's like people are buying tickets differently. You know, it's like some cities like New York is definitely selling out, which is great. And then other cities, I'm like, oh, and then you talk to people like in LA and they're like, yeah, no one buys tickets until the week of anymore. Because so COVID and everything that's happened has so changed our dynamics of how we're integrating and at the end of the day then you're also dealing with these high ticket price artists who are you know it's like twelve hundred dollars a ticket to go see the arena show and so you have people again if we're talking about people who are working and you know choosing how they spend their money they are going for like the big big spectacle um so it's really interesting the dynamics and how everything has shifted uh, yeah I find it to be fascinating and I always say that I'm playing 3D chess and I'm like having fun playing the game, you know. Well, that's how we
0: started out this conversation is, you know, in terms of interacting with folks in the business and being told a lot of bullshit. It's a very real experience of how this industry is shifting and some people are going to give you bullshit and
1: some people are going to be really direct. Yeah, I prefer the directness. It feels way better. It's just like, yo, let's just hop on a call and suss this shit out. Like it like we don't need all of these ancillary players. Like we can keep this very human and we can keep this um I don't know, just free of bullshit. Even,
0: you know, we're we're a fun small little podcast, but we're trying to bring humanity back into music just by having these conversations openly and talking about mental health, talking about where we're at. I mean, you said you're fine and I think Sometimes fine is a good place to be. Sometimes fine is just meddling through the shit and feeling some
1: sort of contentment. Mm -hmm. I feel like fine is fine, you know? It's funny, just, you know, me and and my partner, it's like, we're just like, okay, where's the battery at? And like yesterday it was at like a zero, today it's at like a 20, and like, okay, if I... Maybe if I take the weekend off, actually, I can be at like a 75 and, and start feeling. So it's like that that fine really does fluctuate. And it's just about taking, taking the time to make sure that like we're all pushing, we're all trying to build, we're all trying to build constantly, but what are the moments where you need to just like sleep and sit in bed and do nothing? To kind of recharge, and
0: you know that especially that Rome wasn't built overnight, and yeah. you know part of being an artist is that long-term development. But I'd also say the fact that you were in LA this week and you know yeah. doing what you got to do all week, that drains the social battery
1: immensely. Yeah, the social battery. I just I could never see another human again, <laughs> and all of the humans I saw Me, were every lovely. time I come back from LA, <laughs> I, like. But I'm just like, holy shit! I do not do that That's all the time. That's why I couldn't move out there.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you felt that way like being in New York too but I I have a ton of friends out there and I love visiting and I love going out on business and seeing all the people I love but I like visiting and coming back to my world in New York um, that is very different than the LA pace.
1: Yeah, I think that they each, each pace is different. I feel like the pace of living here is like is constant and like yeah. grinding but there it's like again it's just a lot of Human interaction. I feel very grateful that I had it because, again, it's like I'm really trying to push myself in these different directions. But I also feel very grateful that I can come back to my corner and be like, all right, cool. Now, now I'm literally going to lock myself away and rehearse for a month. So, totally. It's
0: funny. I look at New York as grinding independently, like in my own little bubble. Mm -hmm. And then in LA, it's okay. Now I just did everything in New York and I'm building in New York. Now I'm going to show it to everybody in LA.
1: Yeah, But
0: that requires coming out of my introverted bubble and talking to a lot of humans and pitching things. And that can be really exhausting. And then I'm just grateful when I can come home and then do it all over again. And then I'll go back in three months.
1: Yeah, I was living 50-50. So I feel like when you're out there for like a long time, it does shift because it's like, okay, I feel like maybe when we go to these different places, it's because we are in work mode. Whereas like when I was living out there, it did feel different. Um, it felt less less pressure to see everyone in one fell swoop. Which I've heard that. Yeah, for sure.
0: And I've been toying with the idea that this year I could do like three,
1: four weeks out there and see what it's like. coastal living is the dream. I had yeah. it for a while and then COVID hit and I was like, I ch- I'm i coming back home to New York. Would you try to do it again in the future? Um, I mean, I think naturally it, it'll it wind up happening that, I'll, you know, if I'm not touring, I'll be out there more because there is a lot of productivity and a lot of the industry exists there. That being said, it's like I grew up an hour north. My whole family's from Brooklyn. Like, New York is for sure, like, my home and... I, I definitely wanna figure out I, I wanna go live other places too. I wanna go live in Berlin for a bit. Nice. Like I wanna go live in Sweden, Stockholm. Like I wanna see other places. The oh, music so, industry in Stockholm is really cool. Yeah, everyone's so nice. It's so chill. I could live in London. So I feel like I am I, I'm trying to embrace the freedom of like, okay, I can I can be anywhere. It's not just this binary New York LA. Yeah.
0: I feel like I'm in a similar place. I It's always been like New York or nowhere, but I don't know. I kind of want to go to Boston. I feel like that's a cool city to spend a little time in. I want to go abroad. I went to Austin for the first time last year. Austin was really cool. Austin is
1: cool. Austin is like the best post-show food. Yeah. Because they have like a lot of like late night food truck vibes. And it's always really... I, I know cities by like their... <laughs> there the, the four blocks around the venue and what was my dining experience <laughs> and that's how I judge and rate cities essentially it is not an accurate representation of any city but like if I eat well I like your city you're going back <laughs> and if I have a bad meal I might hate your city for you know a year until I come back that's so funny
0: so we're coming to the end and I I know we touched on it a little bit, but what is one thing you've done this week to take care of your well-being? It could be what you have coming up this weekend. Something to just reset.
1: Yesterday, I had a few calls and I canceled them all. And I texted my manager and I was just like, can you take these calls and just like update me? And I slept all day because I hadn't slept for like over 24 hours. And there were a bunch of like decisions that needed to get made. And I was like, if I have to make these decisions right now, I'm just going to say no. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't think that no is the correct answer. And so I was just like, I'm not making any decisions. And I watched I started watching like the old gossip girl on the plane. And I literally put Gossip Girl and I just fucking went to sleep again for this like trash TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You come out and like, I don't know, someone's fucking someone's mom. And like, it's almost, like, <laughs> like it's literally <laughs> chaos. And you're like, I'm entertained. And then you drift back off into sleep. So that was my day yesterday. And I literally like slept for over 14 hours. Mm-hmm. And now I feel more human. Yeah. And by Monday, I'm going to be ready to like really tackle everything that needs tackling. Well, that's so awesome that you canceled those calls, truthfully, because not everyone yeah. would have done that. Well, Vanessa knows if I text her and I'm just like, hey, I need to tap out. There is zero question because I never do it. Um, and I think I feel very grateful for our relationship because she knows she was literally like, do you want me to cancel everything? Because I, I was speaking at UCLA last night and then had this and she's yeah. like, no, I'm fine for those things. But other than that, I'm done. Right. You know. Right. Um, It's knowing your
0: limits and then having people in your corner that are aware of that and want to empower you. And they know that if you need a break, you need a break. Yeah, exactly. So it's been interesting. That's awesome. Well, I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for Love You Forever. I think it's amazing. Thank you. Tour is going to be amazing. I'm keeping all my fingers crossed. That all goes smoothly. (laughs) But thank you for stopping by. I appreciate it so much. And that's a wrap with Bear Verite that's a wrap on this week's episode of more or less thanks for tuning in and if you'd like to help support the podcast please share it with a friend post about it give us a review on spotify apple wherever you listen to podcasts if you want to stay updated on what's next for more or less please give us a follow at more or less with jess on instagram tiktok all the social media things please take care of yourself and we'll catch you next time